Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier The Cottage on the Moor Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 8 The Key The professor had returned to the cottage as the sun rose, claiming to have retired from an unsuccessful search through the valley. Feigning exhaustion, she had retreated to her bed and waited until Evie had made her own way out of the cottage in search of Astrid. The professor crept downstairs and watched from the laboratory window as the old woman ascended the hill and disappeared into the dell. Thinking the laboratory as good a place as any to begin her search for the key, she methodically sorted through every drawer, cupboard, cubbyhole and container the large room had to offer. There were reams of handwritten notes, which under any other circumstance might have piqued her scientific curiosity, but now she simply returned them to their place once certain the key was not hidden between them. Throughout her rifling, her eyes were continually drawn to the gateway at the end of the room. Its true purpose now known to her, there was something enticing about it. The tantalising promise of access to a world beyond her own stirred a familiar flame of excitement in her chest. But there were more important matters at hand. Having exhausted potential hiding places in the lab, she resolved to move on. But on a thought, she walked up to the gateway and felt carefully along the frame of the archway for any sign of a secret compartment. She stopped at the damaged control panel and saw that further damage had been done to it since the deadly confrontation of the night before. The severed wires had been ripped out completely, and it appeared a blunt object had been bashed against the inner workings. Clearly, Evie's worries had not been extinguished along with Bill. The only other room on the ground floor was the kitchen. Once again, she worked her way through the cupboards and drawers, which yielded nothing of any value. As she rummaged through a box of odds and ends, she thought over her conversation with Lorelei on the hill. Though the gateway posed promise of adventure, it was the archive she found her mind returning to. If it really did represent some gigantic database of human endeavour, and if Lorelei was right about it being able to absorb Bill's memories at the point of death, then what scope for discovery might it offer her? There would of course be records of the scientific advancements she hoped mankind had made, but how much further did the archive's knowledge go? Did it hold records of every person born on the earth and what became of them? She shook herself out of her pondering, knowing it was slowing progress. A quick search through the cupboard under the stairs proved fruitless, and so she ascended the stairs to continue the hunt of the key. She had thoroughly scanned her own tiny room, leaving three more to cover. The first was the bathroom, which bore no results. Upon concluding an examination of the floorboards, the professor got to her feet and caught sight of herself in a mirror on the wall. Her eyes were dark and sunken. Her complexion was pale and her hair even more unkempt than usual. She was not by nature a vain person, but even so, the reflection troubled her. She looked away from the glass at the frame of the mirror. It had been designed to look like a tortoiseshell. Running a finger over its surface, 
Her mind was catapulted back to her home on Atwell Street in London, 1874. Residing in a glass tank in her hallway, there dwelt an ancient tortoise she'd named Sydney, who was waiting for her to return. Her adventurous life had not lent itself to keeping house pets, but Sydney was more than happy to be tended to by a friendly neighbour whilst she was away. Once again, she felt most keenly the sensation of being far from home, and tears blossomed in her eyes. Up on the hill her time machine was waiting, ready to take her away, but she was bound not to return to it until she had found her friend. If she could find her friend. The darkest possibilities stirred within her, and the notion of being forced to return to the ship alone finally led her to sob. She sat on the edge of the bath and let the tears come. Tears of fear and loss and guilt. How long they ran down her cheeks she was unsure, but eventually urgency gripped her again and she wiped them away. Silly old duffer, she chastised herself. What would Sydney think? She left the bathroom and returned to the hall. Only Astrid's room and that of Bill and Evie remained. The latter was securely fastened by another magnetic lock, and so she deferred to Astrid's room first, its lock having been smashed apart the previous evening. Denying her the time to stand and contemplate what had passed in the room mere hours ago, the professor launched into another exhaustive search. The room had clearly once belonged to a child. A few token toys were placed neatly on the various pieces of furniture. Once again she noted the lack of photographs, though she pondered if, along with the lack of books, that some leap of technology had provided another means to store such memories and resources. She had come across all manner of slender glass-fronted gadgets on her search, not unlike a device she'd seen during a previous encounter, with an opponent equipped with anachronistically advanced technology. The chest of drawers held nothing other than a series of folded blankets and a few small items of baby's clothing. She moved on to the wardrobe and found that it too contained various outfits befitting a child. Neither Evie nor Bill had mentioned children. She ran her hands over the inside of the wardrobe, checking for anomalies, and let them trail down to the base, which was covered in more folded sheets. She removed the bedding and let her fingers slide across the flat wooden floor. To her surprise, it moved. Quickly she traced the outline of it, and noted that the interior floor of the wardrobe was a good two inches above the bedroom floorboards. Carefully she pulled at the wooden base, and sure enough it slid out from the cabinet, revealing a hidden compartment beneath, not unlike the marble floor of her time machine. There were more toys and one or two jigsaw puzzles stacked neatly on one side of the space. The other bore yet more items of infant clothing, a large book and a wooden box, the latter being her first point of examination. She removed the lid and found it full of printed photographs and other paper documentation, along with a box of small squares of some kind of hard shiny material, with one TB and two TB printed upon them. She disregarded these and instead looked through the photographs. Rather thrillingly, they were colourful and of quite astonishing clarity. She instantly recognised the cottage in many of them, as well as one or two features of the surrounding landscape. Almost all of the photos were of a young girl. They documented her from being a newborn to a toddler. Other photos showed younger incarnations of Evie and Bill. At a guess, the professor ventured that the latest of these images had been taken some thirty years beforehand. The child, 
wherever she was, would now be a grown woman. The professor pondered whether she was out there somewhere on the moor. Was there civilization beyond these few fields? Lorelei had made it sound as though this really was the last outpost of humanity. But surely an entire world could not have been reduced to so few a number. She returned to the box and lifted out another handful of documents. As she did so, she felt something slip between the pieces of paper and drop into the container. It was the key. She set down the papers and picked it up. It was identical to the one Lorelei had shown her, a thick strip of embossed metal. Holding it in her hand, the professor felt an uneasiness. What Lorelei had told her on the moor was true. Evie and Bill were not to be trusted. She quickly packed the photographs and bundles of paper back into the box and returned it to the compartment in the bottom of the wardrobe. She was about to replace the wooden board to conceal it once again, but then hesitated at the sight of the large book, still unexamined. She took hold of it and flicked through the first few pages, eyes widening with each fresh page. It was a scrapbook of photographs, drawings, press cuttings and transcripts. Each had been carefully cut out, arranged and pasted onto the pages of the tome, amounting to an extensive archive. As she turned each new leaf, a sickness rose in the professor's throat. Every photograph and drawing depicted herself and Astrid. Their names peppered the extracts of writing. A ledger of a history she and her friend had not yet lived, hidden in a house at the end of the world. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, The Cottage on the Moor, an Unbound Theatre production, written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod. <laughs>